0: You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long term wealth building and financial independence.
1: Hey, everybody, Devin here, your host today for the Portfolio Builders podcast. Uh, really excited for the guest we have on today, Nicole Espinoza. I'm super excited to get to hear everything that you have to share because it's a subject that I personally. Don't know a ton about, like I've got a little bit of experience with short sales, but not a whole lot. Uh, So I'm going to learn a ton. And so is everybody that's watching. So I'd love to hear first, just tell us a little bit about like who you are, what you do and how you became the the short sale queen. (laughs)
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so I, my name is Nicole Spinoza. Um, my company is the short sale queen. It was actually my nickname of you know, five, six years ago. And when we went national, I decided to brand the company as the short sale queen. So it's very easy to remember. Um, and we are currently in uh, 13 markets. So we are in, when I say 13 markets, we're in 13 different states nationwide. Wow. Um, we, we have the ability to do short sells everywhere, but that's just kind of where we're set up. Um, we process over a hundred listings a month. Um, so that's it, a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of human beings. <laughs> Uh, We do this on a high level. Um, So it's, it's something um, that, you know, we're obviously very familiar with. This is all we do. Um, It's, it's very, it's a different world than most real estate agents are in, right? Because we just do short deals. So uh, we work primarily, we're hundred percent referrals. We work with real estate investors and real estate agents all over the country. um, And we've been doing it for the last 10 years.
1: That's amazing. So, And that's a ton of transactions.
2: Um, How did you tell us about like how you got started? Yeah. So actually my background is REO, which is real estate owned foreclosures. So my first, um, you know, job into real estate was actually working at a foreclosure brokerage um, in 2009, when the market completely crashed and went to crap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of just got thrown into it. I was managing listings. I was, you know, working with REO departments. I mean, pretty much doing a little bit of everything, having just completely ignorant, didn't even know what like a homeowners association was or anything like that. I'm from, originally from Florida and now I'm in Texas. Um, after a year of doing that, um, I got licensed and decided to branch out on my own. And of course the first listing that I get is a short sale where the homeowner, I got this listing. I was so excited as an agent, of course, you know, we're all new agents. Yeah. Um, every new agent feels the same way, right? Like I got business and then they're like, Oh, by the way, you owe this much, but I can only sell it for this much. And the, the thing was, is that everyone around me, including my broker was like, Hey, just don't even waste your time. The client can't afford to sell, just let it go. And for me, I, you know, first of all, was hungry, right? I was like, no, yeah. I got the <laughs> listing. I'm going to sell it. Thank you. Um, but besides that, I was like, no, there's gotta be a solution. Like there's gotta be a way that I know how to talk to banks. So let me talk to them. And I was on the phone for like an hour and a half with this lender Aquin. And I was just asking a million questions. I'm sure he wanted to hang up on me like a million times. And it was, and for me, it was like, okay, like there's a problem. Like I have to figure out a solution. And so I really dove into it and that's really what started it. Um, I started working with all different lenders. I started developing the process that I utilize today that we just, you know, have of course perfected along the way as, as things have changed. Um, and I've been doing it ever since, um, we, um, started teaching classes to kind of get into the real estate community to kind of teach about it. Cause there's so many misconceptions because even on a national level, they're, they're clueless. There's not a lot of information that, um, even associations give to realtors or to investors. Um, so I started teaching it and then I wrote my book on it. That's, I think that's awesome. I
1: stumbled into uh, a short sale transaction. That's like how my first one was. Um, I was representing the buyer and I didn't, I had never done one before. I was a pretty green agent at that time. You know, like I think I maybe had two years of experience. So I had, you know, a decent number of transactions under my belt, but I had absolutely no idea what to expect. Um, And there was a lot (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> there was there was a lot and i was working with the buyer and there was a lot uh so with the seller i can only imagine because the seller is the one that actually has to negotiate with the bank or the agent on their behalf and right. you know think about the person in that position who's like i need to sell my house for whatever reason yeah but they basically they're you know they're underwater so what um without like telling us your super secret system or anything like that, like, did you just kind of trial and error, like figure out how to help these homeowners out of that situation? Or like, what was the process like kind of developing your system?
2: Yeah. So I'm an open book. You can ask me whatever. I have no secrets. Um, I, I, on YouTube, I just, I'm constantly like just trying to put information out. Um, it's, trial and error was absolutely, because unlike every other thing in this industry or any other niche, there was no information about it. And Mm. the people that did understand it didn't want to share. (laughs) So I had to literally learn by like just doing it the wrong way. And I'm like, okay, pivot. This is the way I do it. And so I started building my system out by just asking the right questions. Right. So a lot of of really anything to do with real estate transactions or I guess just life is asking the right questions if you don't know. And so like I said, I'd spend so so much on the phone of like, hey, but what if you said no But I think that, you know, if we do this, this might be a solution. And so it was like, okay, really the tenacity of not taking no for an answer. And if I didn't know, trying to find the answer, right? And so I was just, I was very hungry and I was like, I am determined to figure this out because I know it's possible. And then the best part is that once I learned and I got a yes, I knew that for next time, right? So fast forward thousands of transactions later, I've seen like every possible situation, scenario <laughs> with literally every bank out there, from the credit unions to the big box banks. To where I'm like, okay, now I have so much knowledge on on the subject, with all different types of loans and things like that. So, and, and that's really how it happened. Of really just diving in, and you know, when you do anything every single day, and you're you're constantly learning and perfecting, I mean, you're going to become the expert at it.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. That makes sense. So. For people who don't really know what happens in a short sale or like exactly what it is, can you explain this is a short sale and this is kind of the process um, for you know for going through one from the perspective of either the homeowner or somebody who's a prospective buyer of that kind of a property?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a short sale is essentially where a homeowner has a seller has a financial hardship, right? So they're facing foreclosure because of a loss of job or for whatever number of reasons right now in in 2021 COVID, right? That's a lot of hardships that we're seeing now. I mean, they really don't even need to say anything else. They just say COVID and it's a hardship. So in that situation, because they're behind, their balance, you know, increases significantly their payoff because of late fees and interest and attorney fees and all of that. And so that's what puts them upside down. Generally, when someone's behind on one thing, they're behind on everything else. So a lot of times I get this question of like, how are you still in business in a hot market? Right. Well, because the short sale, it has to do with their personal situation, not with the market right? So the market prices can continually go up, but guess what? Their balance is going up and their property value is going down because they're not maintaining it. There's repairs needed and they owe so much. So as from a buyer's you know, standpoint, like for an investor, um, a short sale is a great solution when you're coming across these no equity deals, because now you're able to still buy the house at a discount without you know, having to walk away from that lead and you still can help the homeowner. So Mm -hmm. that's amazing because Mm -hmm. generally when you're, you know, sourcing um, these deals, you're, of course, you're going to look for the highest equity because that's how you make your money. So now you have a whole other opportunity um, that most people just walk away from. Um, As a homeowner, you know, or as an agent that you're helping homeowner, this situation is ideal because for a homeowner, they get to sell the house and avoid foreclosure and they walk away with their debt settled. Like in what world do you get to just, walk away and not owe anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is great for them because they get to move on to the next chapter of their life.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, do you, uh, can you maybe paint a little bit of, of the picture, the difference and what it does to somebody having a short sale versus
2: a foreclosure on their personal credit? Yeah, absolutely. So a short sale actually settles the debt. So it will show up on their credit as a paid, sometimes it'll say settled for less, um, so what actually affects their credit is the mispayments, not the short sale. So they can actually purchase the house, um, anywhere from two to two and a half years, um, after the short sale. Now, of course, credit's a revolving factor, so they got to make sure everything else is okay. Yeah. And they're, they're able to be able to do that with the foreclosure. They're leaving themselves open to liability and they still owe that difference, which is called the deficiency. So that's the difference between what is owed and what it's actually sold for. So that deficiency, they're still liable. We've seen them come after with judgments so they can get a judgment after them and on their credit it negatively affects them for the next seven to 10 years. Wow. So it's a huge difference because in one case you're able to move forward, right. And rebuild. And the other, you just have, you know, this liability and this kind of debt hanging out there. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I I mean, that's, that's a long time (laughs) to think that you would be out, you know, just totally out of the running for being able to, you know, to buy a house or potentially any other things because of basically one mistake or, you know, a handful of mistakes that got you in a really sticky financial situation. Um, you were telling me before the call, like I was sharing with you that I had a couple, uh, short sale experiences when I was, real estate agent many moons ago, um, the amount of time that you are able to process yours versus what I experienced personally is dramatically shorter. Like how, how is that possible? And what are all the steps that have to happen in that timeframe? You know, the, the last short sale that I did, I think it was like Seven or eight months it took to get that transaction settled. How are you able to do it in just a couple?
2: Yeah, you know, three to
1: four. That's like a third of it yeah, the normal so time.
2: Now, of course, every short sale is different, right? But our average is the two, three months. And the reason why we're able to do that is because we have a system. We get everything done at once. So for example, most agents, okay, so I say this in my book, it's like the blind leading the blind right? The bank won't tell you what they need and the agents don't know to ask. So the agents send in like their authorization and listing agreement and they sit back and wait. And the back and forth is why it takes so long. There's two parts of the process that a lot of people don't understand. The first process is that the bank has to actually prove, approve the homeowner. So the reason why it takes so long is because they're looking through all of their financials. They're looking, well, if they don't have a complete package, then they're requesting it. And then that's another couple of weeks and back and forth. So that's why it takes so long. If the homeowner doesn't get approved, then you can't even get to the point of looking at an offer. So that's one. So then once you, they get approved, then they, they order the appraisal and then they can start negotiating the offer, which is a whole other process. So mm-hmm. if you're proactive and you know what the bank needs and you include a complete short sale packet, you are cutting down the time so much We send things to them before they even ask, because we're like, okay, this is a Wells Fargo loan. We know they need this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. we're going to go send it in. So that way it's streamlined. And on top of that, we don't wait for the bank to call us like, our VAs, I have virtual assistants that literally their only job is to call Wells Fargo and say, hey, did you get our email? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, did you get did did you get did you get this? What's going on? And we are like, you know, a thorn in their side because we want them to review it. We want them to move it along. So we're we're constantly on top of it.
1: That's awesome. What I was reading some uh, some content on your blog about and this is something that I like, I want to understand a little bit better. And I think some people that are listening, um, could benefit from this as well. If somebody gets in that distressed type situation, you know, yep. there are a few, a few months behind, there's a possibility that their name could end up on some investor list or right. some, you know, distressed seller lead list. And then they're going to start getting visited by <laughs> wholesalers, um, all kinds, you know, just all kinds of sharks, basically trying to come at them and get the house at a discount. What, what are the like advantages of working with an agent who can actually help them with the short sale versus trying to go the route of cash selling it to a wholesaler?
0: Hey, Hey, if you are looking to transition from business owner or employee or salesperson or producer, et cetera, to investor, someone who can build long-term wealth without the hassle or the headaches of dealing with all of the downsides that come with real estate, then you should chat with somebody on our team. You can go to wealthcapholdings.com slash book, B-O-O-K dash now, N-O-W. We have a team of licensed advisors who can help put together your game plan with your goals. Where do you want to be? How much passive cash flow do you want per year? And what markets should you be in to maximize your profitability, but at the same time, minimize and mitigate the downside. There's a lot of investment opportunities in the United States right now, but I got to be honest with you that what I've seen a lot of times, people are putting together deals for maximal profitability, but they're not respecting the risk involved in the game. Our team can help formulate a game plan for you, tell you which markets to be in, which ones to hit first, and then potentially, if we have a team in that market, even source the deals for you. So nothing like what we're doing right now. It is top of class in every category. Wealthcapholdings.com slash book dash now. The call is free and the plans will be very, very, very valuable for you. Hope to talk soon. Now back to the show.
2: So if it was an option to sell it to a wholesaler, then they wouldn't even need the agent to go through the short sale um, because that would mean that they have equity, right? So a lot of times the investors that are, are sourcing and and doing direct marketing to people in foreclosure don't realize it's a short sale until they get to closing or until it gets to the point where it's in foreclosure. So, my best advice to, you know, investors that are direct marketing is to make sure that before you put a house under contract, that you have a full picture of what's going on. Mm, because yeah. I know that we're kind of taught, like, get it, get the deal, get the deal. But if you can't close it, then, then it doesn't matter. And then you're going to tie up the house and put that homeowner in a worse situation. Um, in a short sale for a homeowner that, that is distressed or needs assistance, they have to have an agent representing them. The bank will require an agent to be involved in the transaction So even if they're working with an investor, they still have to hire someone like us to facilitate the transaction and represent them. Um, Like I said earlier, we're 100% referrals. So we have so many investor partners that um, come across these leads and refer to us, and they're still able to purchase it through the short sale, but they don't do the short sale process. Oh, Um, that's smart. Yes, because the banks will not negotiate with the buyers for obvious reasons, right? (laughs) Because of course the buyers are going to say, hey, it's not worth anything. And they're going to try to get that discount and they're not going to represent that homeowner. So in that situation, you have to know someone that knows what they're doing, um, knows the process, um, because then you can end up in a situation that, you know, you'll end up getting foreclosed on or lose the listing. And what you were saying earlier, and I can't remember now if it was on camera or off, but you said earlier that, Um, you're like, it's so much work and it's exhausting and, you know, it's, it's such a long process. And honestly, if we only had one or two listings, we would never do this. (laughs) Like it would not make any sense to do this and then work with the traditional buyer and then do wholesaling and then do all this other stuff. Like this is our niche. This is all we do. So we're able to stay on top of it.
1: Yeah. It, it felt like a ton of work when you know i had a couple of those transactions because it was so out of the norm and Mm -hmm. i didn't know what to do and it you know just like you were saying it it would drag on forever and ever and ever and every three weeks it was a new piece of paper was needed either from from the seller or you know the buyer and i didn't i didn't know because that was not my niche so i had no idea what to do um but i think it's it's super cool that you're able to get those done so much quicker you know exactly how to talk to the banks, how to negotiate with the banks and get that done. That's the best thing for the homeowner. And then, you know, the investors that you work with. So like if an investor comes across a deal and finds out that it's actually a short sale situation, they can go to you and then actually be able to close the deal
2: and still be able to, you know, get the house. That's pretty cool. Um, So what they'll do is they'll go to our website, um, vssqueen.com, and they'll enter the lead. And so our website is integrated with uh, Infusionsoft, which is our CRM. And so what it does is it tags them as the person that is referring it. Um, So it'll ask them for their offer and everything like that. We'll pre-qualify the seller to make sure that they qualify for the short sale. We'll set the expectations and do our due diligence and then connect with the investor on what they're wanting to offer. And submit their offer to the bank um, because they're the ones with the relationship. They'll have the first right of refusal on whether they want to buy it or not. We have some wholesalers that are like, "I don't want anything to do with it. Just pay me for the lead." Um, but either way, you know, you're going to get compensated and you'll get weekly updates, which is huge because mm-hmm. a lot of people will send referrals and they're like, "Hey, whatever happened, yeah, to, to this deal?" And that was my biggest pet peeve. So every Monday everyone gets an update on everything that you've sent over. So you know what's going on every step of the way.
1: That's amazing. And like you were saying earlier too, right now it's a super hot market. You're still yeah. busy because oh, yeah. people get themselves in trouble all the time. Um, when you first got started in this, <laughs> you were busy for a totally different reason no because <laughs> <laughs> the entire market was you know, in the toilet. Um, yeah. I'm really curious based on your, you know, you've got extensive knowledge with REO now working short sales, seeing indicators before there was the last, you know, major shift in the real estate market. Um, and what you see going on now, like, do you feel like there's going to be another correction where a lot of homeowners are going to be in a short sale position in the next, you know, I don't know, however long and what, what do those
2: indicators look like? Or is COVID... <laughs> Covid, all you got to say. No, no, no. Um, that's a great question. So, of course, I've been following along really closely because it affects you know everything, um, especially with what we do. And what I see, especially with the moratorium expiring um, at the end of June, I don't think that they're going to extend it anymore um, because the CFPB, which is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they're putting guidelines in place to regulate the lenders to make sure that they're not putting homeowners. In foreclosure if they're asking for assistance because mm-hmm. of COVID. So they wouldn't be going, and of course it's just my opinion, but they wouldn't be going through the all of that if they were going to continue to kick the can down the road and extend the foreclosures until September or you know next year. So what's going to happen is now we have people that haven't been paying for over a year, right? Since COVID started, the pandemic started, and now we have people that have to do something. They have to either pay in full, which we know that the majority of the people don't have the, those funds, um, their past due balance for the last year, they're going to have to sell. They're going to have, they'll either do a loan modification and try and stay in the home, but they have to do something. Um, like I think it was in March, there was 10.1 million people that weren't paying. Wow. And this didn't mean... 10.1 people in foreclosure, right? This was 10.1 people that weren't paying, which is insane. Because if, to put into protect in perspective, in 2007 that was like the the sorry 2010 that was the peak of the foreclosures, right? And that was 2.6 billion, so of people that were in foreclosure, and we saw how crazy it was, right? Yeah. So when you look at that, you're like, okay, we know automatically that, that not everyone's going to be in foreclosure, but we also know there are a crap ton of people that need help and that are going to need to sell, which means that there's going to be more inventory, which means that, that it's going to start um, correct correcting the market. And then we're going to start seeing it shift into a buyer's market in the next couple of years. Right. So it's going to be a completely different market when the inventory, because if you think about it, everything's been protected. Like yeah. why people are like, why is there a lack of inventory? I'm like, because nobody wants to move. The economy has been pumped with all this stimulus money. There's been no foreclosures. So nobody has any sense of urgency to do anything. Well, now the time's up. So now we're going to start seeing the effects of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which for
1: a company like ours, it's, you know, I think it's going to be a really good season for us, for investors that are smart and prepared and know how to like take advantage. We'll be able to help a lot of people that are in kind of a sticky situation, get out of their house. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the business that we're in. But also I'm thinking about all the real estate agents in the world who they don't know anything about REO or short sale. Like now is the time to educate yourself <laughs> because <clears throat> when the market is hot, like it is right now, any real estate agent in America, like you don't have to do anything. You can stick a sign in the yard and yeah. the house is sold because there is no inventory, but that's not, that's not going to be the case. That's not real life. That, we know that. No. If you've been in the industry for a while, you know that's not real life. Like, this is not real. And yeah. every time, you know, every time the market gets crazy, everybody and their brother gets their real estate license. And then there's a correction, there's a shift. And, you know, two thirds of them drop out, <laughs> drop out of the board of realtors and only only a few people are left. Um, yep. I started, I started working in real estate in a buyer's market. And it's a very different, uh <laughs> it's a totally different battle when it's when it's a buyer's market. It's fun if you have a ton of buyers, but you know, right. if
2: you're a listing agent, it can be really. I've tough. always been heavy listing agent, so I've yeah. always been uh, like, when I first started, I worked with my first buyer, and I was like, you need to figure out where you want to live. Like, this is not for me, you know. So I knew very early on <laughs> I was not a buyer's agent. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. It, it always makes me laugh of seeing the new agents that come in that are just so clueless. And then then they get out because they're like, oh, I thought this was going to be easy money. And nope. just they, they're, they're not running it as a business and they don't realize like it is seasons. Um, and it's going to take more than just sticking a sign in the yard and putting it on MLS uh, to be able to really sell the house. Yeah. So
1: I love that I saw on your website and your blog and everything that not only are you like educating and helping the homeowners that are experiencing financial distress, investors that are trying to, you know, get some of these deals but can't negotiate with the bank, but the real estate agents that are out there, you know, if you need a tool in your toolbox uh, before this correction happens, yeah. what is that like? What is that content course or whatever like for agents that want to position themselves to be ready whenever there is a correction?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and I think I think the thing is is that everybody should know the basics. Everybody mm-hmm. should know at least how to advise a client if they're not, who cares if you're actually going to do the short sale, but just to be educated, to know what to look for, to not waste your time, to not waste the client's time. And so that you know how to help these people. Um, and what it looks like for us, like we have our manual, how to master short sales. It, um, the inspiration was um, like a real estate, like short sales for dummies, like the the series. Um, mm-hmm. It has like 340 pages of um, our short sale packet that we've created, Like literally every single thing that we know, we have dumped into this book, like literally everything. Um, We teach classes uh, about once a month um, and we teach from the book. Um, So you can go to the website. Um, The next class I think is June 1st that we're doing. Um, So for agents, we're constantly just putting information out there. Um, YouTube, you know, I do free videos every week of education for agents and realtors. So that's free that you can easily um, engage in. Um, so yeah, we put a ton of information out so that people know um, what to ask, what to look for. And most importantly, if they're wanting to get into this niche, um, they're, they're gonna have more education you know, in it.
1: <clears throat> I also remember as an agent, uh, having quite a few buyers that would come along and tell me if they had some extra cash and they wanted to be an investor, they would say, "Well, oh, I want to buy a foreclosure, uh, <laughs> right?" Um, I heard that all the time, and every time I would hear it, I would just kind of roll my eyes and be like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. And you know, from the short sales that I have seen and worked, they sometimes they fell in a kind of a similar category in terms of the condition. Not always. Sometimes they were in slightly better condition, yeah. but what a lot of people like it's not as glamorous as it looks on HGTV when you go and you buy a foreclosure, (laughs) like it's, it's not, um, you're going to be more, (laughs) more often than not, you are buying a major project because that homeowner has been distressed for however long. So that means there is a ton of deferred repair maintenance Sometimes when people get in a sticky situation like that, um, they vandalize the property, especially when they're getting foreclosed on. You know, I've seen all kinds of like um, you know hate mail spray painted to you know to the bank inside the house. It it yeah. smells. There's you know stuff from pets and humans. That's what they need to the show on H- HGTV. Like, they do. They <laughs> need to show that. <laughs> they do need to show that because yes, you can. Get a deal, but that deal is going to require a ton of work. We don't yep. care because we have huge teams to, you know, do rehabs on all different kinds of properties. Um, but there, I couldn't tell you how many times I showed an investor uh, you know, a foreclosure or a short sale, and how bad they smelled. And suddenly the price didn't matter as much once they realized, <laughs> how much time, effort, and money was going to have to go into those projects. Am I saying it's a bad idea? No, not necessarily. But if you're like a new investor and yeah. you're thinking, I'm going to restore uh, a foreclosure and it's going to be super fun, like it looks on HGTV, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not necessarily going to be that fun. Do you like, I mean, you've been, <laughs> you've been saying yes and amen along the way. Do you, do you find that, with short sales, is the condition
2: sometimes a little meh or is it better than the foreclosures? Um, I would say that it's totally different than the foreclosure just for the simple fact that the homeowners are cooperating. So the homeowners haven't abandoned the house. I mean, some of them are. Um, some of them are vacant and abandoned. But in order to, the reason why banks agree to take a loss in a short sale is because it's a controlled transaction. They know that they're not going to vent, they're going to get more money because it's not going to be vandalized because a realtor is trying to sell it right to a buyer and a buyer is not going to close on it. If, if it's, um, you know, in distress like that, like if they, you know, last minute, take all the wire copper wiring and yeah. <laughs> you know, trash the place, you know, they're not going to do that because they want to close on it. Right. So that's always the advantage uh, of going through that process. Now I will say, I've seen, remember short sales are based on the financial situation, not on the house. Right. So we've seen everything from hoarder, like hoarder, like hoarder house, like mm-hmm. can't even walk in. I walk in for five minutes and I already smell house to I've sold million dollar houses that were in short sales um, that were absolutely gorgeous. Um, so, and everything in between. Right. So it it really is um, it's different in that sense because they're not checked out because they're cooperating with the bank and they're cooperating with us. Um, the only similarity is that of course it is distressed if they can't afford it. And on the lower end, you know, we've seen some crazy, crazy stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sure. So because it's based on their financial hardship and not so much you know, like the value of the property or anything, what happens? Like, does the bank try to get any more money if the house is in better or worse shape? Or is it really just based on like this is what the buyer can afford according to their financials and what the bank is willing to accept? Like how do those figures get decided?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So it's always going to be based off the as is appraisal. Okay. So okay. the bank is always going to get what the house is worth. Right. But of course what it's worth is subjective, right? It's ever, that's an opinion. So what we do when we work with the appraisers is since it's as is right, nobody's going to make any repairs. We have to make sure that they're factoring in absolutely everything. So what we do, especially if it's a distressed home is that we get those bids up front and we get all those numbers up front to give to the appraiser so they can factor it in the as is price. Gotcha. So the bank, will determine their minimum net of what they're willing to accept based off that price. Gotcha.
1: And then, and once the bank says like, this is the minimum that we're going to take, like there's no, there's no budging off of that. Well, we fight it all the
2: time if, if, if they're still delusional, but yeah, generally it's like, Hey, I, that's like my favorite word when it comes to like the banks and the sellers. Um, <laughs> but, um but you know, if it's, if it's overpriced, right. Cause if that happens, even if we're proactive, even if we do everything right, we can still get a, a dumb appraiser that like is crazy and will mm-hmm. come back too high and we'll, we'll dispute it and we'll fight it with the investor or with the uh, lender directly. Um, but normally when we're able to go through that process, we're able to get that price, you know, down to a a good as is value. Dumb appraiser is my favorite thing you've said so far. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Get me started. (laughs) Uh,
1: I know that's a whole, that's a whole other podcast. podcast. (laughs) I could get the whole rest of the team in here. Um, We actually, we did an episode not that long ago about, you know, what to do with bad appraisals because every now and then you do, you get some. And I imagine that's really frustrating for somebody that you're, that you're working with when you know, the bank thinks
2: that they have the Taj Mahal and (laughs) it's just not. Well, think about this. So in a, in a traditional, you know, you get a bad appraisal and okay, you know, fine. You fight it. You get another loan. If you get a bad as is appraisal in a short sale, the bank's like, Nope, this is what it's worth. Mm. And so, what do you do? Right. And so in that situation, it's 10 times more frustrating because you're sitting there like, okay, the bank's like, Nope, this is what we want because they're basing it off of something that's not realistic. And in a short sale, the banks pay like two, $300 for the appraisal as opposed to five, 600. So the appraiser is already half-assing it. Right. Cause they're just right. like, I don't care. I'm just trying to get this through. Yeah. So it's yeah. Wow.
1: What, uh, what pieces of advice would you give to any investors, homeowners that are potentially in distress or real estate agents, um, that are like considering diving into learning about short sales? Like if you could go back in time and give a newbie that wanted to enter into this niche, a piece
2: of piece of advice, what would it be? Um, Ask a lot of questions. Um, I think that understands that there's so many pieces to this. If you're getting a no, it's most likely you're either asking the right wrong question or you're asking the wrong person. Mm. Um, so understand that it's not as black and white as, Oh, the bank said, no, a lot of times it's because you haven't submitted the right thing or you haven't asked the right questions or you haven't done the right process. So just understand it's not black and white. Um, the other piece of advice I can give is you have to drive the bus. This transaction is not a transaction where, Oh, well, the homeowner said the seller said, no, they have no idea. Like they, they have a lot of times they have their head in the sand. They haven't even opened the notices. They they don't even really have a full picture of what's going on because they've been behind for so long to understand that you have to ask the questions. You have to say, okay, how much do you owe? Like, this is what we're going to do. You have to get the information yourself to get a full picture of what's going on because the homeowners are never going to volunteer that information. And that could be the difference between you you know, letting the house go to foreclosure because you didn't know to ask or didn't know Mm -hmm. or you being successful in the short sale.
1: That's really, that's just good life advice in general. Yeah. You're either not asking the right question or not asking the right person. That's that's a writer downer right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for folks that are listening, whether they're watching live or if they're listening to re- to the replay later and they want to either get your book or go through your course or anything, like how can people get in touch with you to get more information?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you can always head to our website, uh, vthesqueen.com, um, or you can just head to YouTube, uh, The Short Sell Queen. Um, so you'll be able to see all of our information, the videos, and, and it has all of our contact info there.
1: I think it's really, really cool too that you're helping like basically every side in this niche. You can help the seller, you can help the investors. And you can help uh, real estate agents that, you know, are trying to, (laughs) trying to help some of these sellers. I think that's, I think that's really cool. Um, Yeah. I've, I've learned a lot today. I think I'm going to get your book Um, (laughs) because I don't know that much about, you know, everything in the process and it it might be, you know, it might be really necessary information in the next couple of years.
2: Honestly. It's great for anyone to just have better conversations because the more, you know, about their options, the faster you're going to build rapport Mm -hmm. and the more deals you're going to get because you're now going to be a resource for that person. Look, Take short sales out of it. We're talking about just people in foreclosure. So yeah. when you go over in the book of like, hey, this is what a loan modification is. This is what a deed and Lewis is. This is what the homeowner is going to say. Those are most of your objections for people in foreclosure. What's the number one thing you get? I want to stay in my house. Yeah. But if you don't know how to walk them through why they can't, that's all. That's always going to be the objection that they don't want to sell. Yeah. So that's great information for people that are just even pro- direct marketing. Yeah. That's really good. Super
1: good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get your book. Uh, I'm really grateful that you had the time to jump on with me today and share a little bit about this. And um, I think we should have you back in another like six, eight months or so and just kind of see what the market is <laughs> okay. doing. Yeah. Um, and see what the, you know, what the numbers are starting to do. Because I had no idea that there were that many people not not paying right now. Um, that's a lot. I do know, like I talk to clients all the time that are buying turnkeys from us, for example, and they have taken a a forbearance, mm-hmm. not because they can't afford it, right. right? But they're just choosing to, and then and then they apply to get a loan for an investment property, and I'm like, bro, you gotta. <laughs> You You got to fix it. You got to clean that up and get it off your credit report before you can actually buy an investment property. So I think that's important for people to hear too. Like if you, if you have forbearance, just because, just because you're enjoying the time, like I get it. But if you're thinking about investing, you will, you will have to start paying again, uh, so that you can get approved for, you know, for a loan. So, Thank you so much for your time. Everybody knows how to get a hold of Nicole, the short sale queen. If you want to learn anything else about what we do at WealthCap or uh, you know turnkey investing, I am pretty easy to find. Wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist will take you to my calendar or you can join the Portfolio Builders Facebook group tons of investors sharing tips and tricks and all kinds of info in there. So uh, thanks again, Nicole. And I'm excited to catch up with you again a little bit down the road and see what the market's doing. I look forward to it.
0: Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.